I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, I'm Alex McLaren. I'm an actor and I've worked as a communications coach since 2002. Now so much business is being conducted remotely, the ways in which we talk, present, build relationships and connect is changing. In this podcast, I want to explore all those issues and prove to you that no matter who you are, you can talk to anyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to You Can Talk to Anyone, the podcast in which we open the bonnet on our communications engine. I'm Alex McLaren. I'm one of the directors here at the Spontaneity Shop. Um, And this week, we are talking about all shapes and sizes, the bodies that we bring to our conversations with people. Uh, This week, I'm so lucky. I've invited two guests, and they are Sue Harrison and Lucy Trod. Um, And uh, the reason I asked them is that I really enjoyed uh, the comedy drama videos they made called One Size Fits All. So um, hello, Sue, um, and hello, Lucy. Hi. Very nice to be here. Hello there. Um, so, um, Sue, you're the person I know least well of the two of you. So uh, tell me a little about um, the films that you made with Lucy, how you came to make them and what they're about. Yeah, um, well, Lucy and I have known each other for a really long time um, through Showstoppers, the improvised musical. And um, one day we were on tour just having a, a nice cup of tea in a cafe and we started talking about our different heights Um, So I'm really small and Lucy's really tall. And we kind of hit upon the fact that even though we were opposite ends of the height spectrum, we um, encountered the same kind of funny reactions from people or or different reactions, but coming from a similar place. Um, And from that moment, I think that sparked the beginning of our kind of writing journey in a way. Um, And from that moment on, we started writing together. That's brilliant. And you shot those films, I think, here in Folkestone, where I live, and Lucy lives, um, last, is it 18 months ago or 12 months ago? We shot them in, I think it was August 2020. It was in one of the bits where things were sort of opening up, um, but also still really difficult <laughs> in one of those bits of time. Yeah, it was the first time wearing masks, wasn't it? On a, on yeah. A brilliant. I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll definitely make sure we include some, is it okay if we include links to the film in the uh, in the show notes for this podcast? Uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, great. Um, and uh, uh, Lucy, what what was your experience kind of when you were thinking about wanting to make comedy about this? Yeah, I, I remember um, specifically being in a, a high street shop. Um, we had to buy socks because we were on tour and we were looking at the ladies' socks 
And we were just looking at the ladies' socks, looking at the ladies' socks. <laughs> They're size four to eight. You know, I'm a size nine, and I think Sue's a two. Two and uh, a half, yeah. Two and a half. And we're just looking at the ladies' socks for a really long time. And then I can't remember if it was me or Sue when I'm going to the men's department and I'm going to the kids' department. And we realized, <laughs> you know, that was probably one of the first scenes we wrote, which didn't actually make it into the show, but it made it into the longer version of the show because these are just tasters of a larger thing that we're writing. That's great. So you're working on a kind of a, a longer drama about it all or a, a sort of a series? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're calling it, a, um, a, you know, a dramedy and there's been much mm. debate about what that actually is. But I, I guess um, our sort of uh, tone and what we like in comedy generally is quite gentle and mm -hmm. that's quite fun to explore because sometimes people don't know how to accept that because they're used to more, uh, quote marks, shouty comedy. So um, we're yeah. just trying to... Yeah, create something a bit gentle and, you know, warm and uh, full of visual gags as well, because we're both, you know, big into the physical comedy as well. Even as you're talking, I'm thinking of millions of things I wanted to ask you. And one of them is actually about that thing about the socks. I didn't know about the sketch. That's great. But this thing about going back to the children's department, Sue. Because mm. I was thinking about the sort of the bodies that we bring to interactions. And of course, our bodies change. That's and, and will continue to change. Mm. Um, and we've all been the littlest once because mm. we were all when we, when you were a little when you were a tiny kid though, Lucy, there will have been bigger kids than you. I don't um, remember. Well, do you I, not even remember? I okay, don't great, remember a time when anyone when I was smaller than anyone. Do oh, maybe, you, maybe when, there was a time, yeah, because of like hand me down. I got an older sister who's you yes, know shorter than okay. me, and um, yeah. I do remember a time when I couldn't get hand me down. So yes, I'm I'm sort of fantasized. I've I've what's the word? I've uh, dramatized that a bit in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> well, no, but that's interesting. It may be literally that it's just so long ago that it almost like you no, know, it doesn't really feature as part of my yeah. functioning experience as a human. I do remember a very, you know, in primary school being told, don't worry, Lucy, you'll stop growing soon and everyone will catch up with you. Like it was a bad thing to be tall. Like you don't want That's to be a tall woman. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I obviously had the reverse, which right. was, you know, don't worry. Eventually. Yeah. Not, not from my family mm. or friends, but from, you know, random people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost like you don't realize it yourself, but other people tell you you're different. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I'm sure I was fine with who I was. Until... Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Because I do, I did feel fine with who I was. Because my, you know, I was very lucky to have a, a, you know, really brilliant parents and lovely family and stuff. So I didn't feel, um, you, you know, crushing um, self doubt yeah. or anything. But it, but then it would be a stranger or a like tenuously connected person that would make you feel, yeah aware of your differences yeah I remember one day this this um, girl who her mum was like oh we just need to put you in a tub of compost and then you'll grow and I was wow. like, oh I, I've literally had tourists stop me in the street and just say so long and take a photo of me like I was some sort of tourist yeah, attraction yeah God. that's extreme that's extreme. I suppose another reason why I'm thinking back as well to our childhoods is that often our, because we're, well, most of us, I say that my, my, my world is full of adoptees, actually, but we're all, often we're genetically related to our families. And so we share physical characteristics with them. And so uh, and I, I know I've met your parents, uh, Lucy. Paul's quite big, your dad, isn't he? But he's not, he's not super tall, I would say. Yeah, he's, I think he's 6'2". Yeah. 
about yeah okay so maybe, maybe it's just in context with your biggish family yeah. um but, uh, but Sue, are your family small like you? Yeah, they are actually. Okay. Thinking about one of the scenes was about sort of the thing about normal. You only become aware of, like normal is your world, basically. And so when you're a tiny kid in the family you're in, that's just normality. It's just, it's it's when you're kind of then beginning to engage with a, it's sort of everybody else <laughs> that you start becoming, okay, hang on. In what ways am I typical or just like everybody else? And in what ways do I mm. do I feel very different? And then in what ways am I treated as different as well? That those those things begin to, I think, affect the way we socially engage with other people. Um, so that that thing about our uh, sort of our family backgrounds and our childhood, I think, is a real issue. Mm. I, so, for example, I was a really late developer as a teenager. Okay. So I've got three brothers and we kind of, we all hit it roughly in sequence after one another. But it meant that I was the littlest in my class when I was a teenager for a while. And now I'm 5'10", I'm a grown, you know, I'm sort of, but but the legacy of that memory as a kid, I think, stays with me. Because there's a very formative time. And so even though it's a long, long ago, I'm still kind of, it's part of how I think about these issues when I'm engaging with people. And also, I think about it as an actor. I mean, you two, I was just sort of reviewing your career, Sue, as well, is that a lot of the way actors think about the world is in the story potential of it all. Mm. Okay. You know, we're even exploiting our own bodies in that way. But that isn't necessarily the way everybody thinks about it. So I, it, you, you guys have a very kind of just delightfully, like you're looking for the fun in the quirks of your experience mm. rather than sort of saying this is traumatic. Um, yeah. You know? yeah. I, I don't know how much you get a choice in that because when you're being, in my case, mistaken for a man, it's like, how is that mm. not funny? Like, I, I can't cry although at times I've been like seriously like I'm wearing you know not that you know anyone can wear a dress but yeah. I was wearing a dress and a pink hat and like ladies boots for once like I'd actually made an effort and I still mm. got stopped um for a questionnaire at the weekend and mm. it was like excuse me sir I was like really <laughs> still <laughs> happening Sue oh my god yeah yeah that's it's mad isn't it um yeah. I think yeah. sometimes people in their defense, mm. I think sometimes people just see a shape and they just think man shape, you know, and then when <laughs> they look, they're like horrified. <laughs> I, I was once, yeah. I'm thinking about misgendering. I think once as a young teen, mm -hmm. this is again, partly related to being a, sort of feeling like a, a sort of a child among grownups. Mm. I was once, somebody once said, is it a boy or a girl? I think I had slightly longer hair at the time. And I don't remember it as funny. Maybe that's a bloke thing. I don't know. Or an age know. thing. I don't know. Um, but it, again, it made me not, to, I, was, I was thinking, I, I maybe I would think, gosh, how do you ride that out with such style? But you do. <laughs> maybe it's because you're thinking, you know, this is ridiculous rather than. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good point. Mm. I, th I think I'm very aware of like my sort of privilege in the world, if you know what I mean, and like largely how lucky I am. Mm. in all of you know in many ways yeah so I wouldn't I wouldn't gravitate towards feeling sorry for myself about it if you know what yeah. I mean yeah. it's um, just like a, sort of a kind of comedy filter you have on life mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it's like an a comedy filter and also an observation filter which is sort of you know almost the same thing isn't it but like which mm. I which I think is really useful and I'm kind of feel lucky to have that filter of like knowing what it's like to stand mm. slightly outside of something, not in a big traumatic way necessarily, but just to be, like you said, like the quirks of being a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, just sort of 
and, and it, it enables you to have potentially a bit of empathy for other people who might feel that way in similar si- or different situations, um, all of which is really useful for writing characters and, you know, yes. and being aware of your own ridiculousness. <laughs> yeah, I think it also gives you um, sort of ingrained habits. So we talked about school photos and I was always back row middle with the boys and Sue was always front row, the, you know, the crossed leg gang. Um <laughs> And just thinking how, you know, when how that translates to being on stage is I will mm. generally just sort of gravitate to the back just so that people can see other people. But actually, that's one of the great things about the show we do, Showstopper, is that, mm. you know, we don't always have to play to the to type and it's very liberating in that way. You know, I can be downstage middle. That's interesting. Yeah. Can I ask you a little bit about this question about type? Because one thing which all actors have to deal with is the assumptions that people make. Um, you are, this is what you look like, sound like, you know, this is what you're bringing as a sort of as a human body. Um, and then there's also these kind of these narrative cliches that people then will put on you as typecasting. So Sue, do mm. you, when you, if you had to say, oh, these are, this is sort of the, the typecasting cliches about somebody with my body, mm. what would you say they were? Well, it's a really interesting one now because I'm older, but when I was in my 20s, it would just be kids. Yes. It would literally just be playing kids. Um, And that brought like a lot of pleasure, but also a lot of frustration. Yeah. Because, you know, in many ways it was brilliant because it enabled me to have a specific type, which can help help you to get work, can, can do. It also means you're not suited for lots of other roles. And it's great fun playing kids because I am playful and I do yeah. everything I do is sort of I gravitate towards playfulness. So it made sense that I would be quite good at that. But also then it's frustrating because a lot of the time you're playing a child protagonist, which is often written in a really boring way. <laughs> and <laughs> yes. often they yes. just come in like, you yeah. know, if it's not that I ever played Alice in Alice in Wonderland, but for example, basically her role is just to be like, where am I? Who are you? <laughs> and then everyone else does funny stuff around her. And meanwhile, yeah. I'm in those kind of roles. I, in my twenties, I'd be like, "But I like being funny." Yeah, and, and you're really good to... at those parts. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. So um, yeah, yeah. So so that was that was the general typecasting was just that. But now I think um, yeah, now it's kind of interesting because it's like it's all up for grabs. You've seen it changing. Do you think is that to do with you getting growing out of? I know we've got little yeah. younger actors to play those children, or yeah, or is it to do with the world changing? Um, that's a good question. I think it's it's a bit of there was a certain point when I decided not to take those roles anymore, not to go up for them, and and also obviously now I I um, you know it should be people in their twenties playing those roles now anyway, so it yeah. wouldn't be appropriate. But I think also it's an interesting point about whether the world's changing, because I think it might be. Um, Not that we're seeing any results straight away, um, (laughs) but I think maybe with younger people, there is a bit more acceptance and awareness and lack of judgment about all kinds of different um, looks and different ways that people identify and different ways that people present themselves. So I feel like potentially it's quite hopeful. Yeah, it's interesting, and it, it strikes me as well that that 
having you know been asked to play those particular roles you've done a lot of improvising and writing because you don't yeah. just want to tell that sort of story which starts to be in your own history rather than in your present mm. and uh, you want to go and create your own thing that's mm. interesting One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. How about you, Lucy? As I say, we put cliches and assumptions on particular sort of, I don't know, this is what this kind of person looks like within stories. That's been the legacy. What's it been for you in terms of typecasting? I think um, I was told from a young age, I get, um, from when I graduated from university, that... Um, you know, TV. I wouldn't be able to do TV because I wouldn't fit in the frame with other people and stuff like this, right? Um, so I used to like my. If you look at my history of my CVs on Spotlight, I went from being five eleven. I haven't changed height since I was thirteen. I went from being five mm. eleven, and now I'm six two on my CV. So you've um, been inching towards disclosure about reality. Inching towards acceptance, I think. Just That's like kind of, I used to yeah. hide it. You know, I hid. You know, other things in my life, like being a mother, just so you get work you know you oh, that's, hide, yeah, that's you hide. part of this yeah but then there's, why there's do you want huge... to hide it when that's mm. you know this is what we found together is it's our superpower it's our selling point if you want to be more mm. you know marketing orientated but <laughs> uh, i you know I, one thing i would love to see and i have not yet seen is a love story with a larger woman uh you know whether that's uh you know width or height or whatever i just Whenever I see a sort of particularly a musical and there's the moment when they fall in love and they lift her up, I'm like, nah, never going to happen with me. Not that I like being lifted anyway, which might also be a thing we have in common, Sue, I think, about being lifted in shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't like being lifted if there's no um, agreement. Um, yeah. If they're, like, as in with your eyes. Um, yeah. Talking about improvised shows, obviously. Sure. Um, but I think maybe that's, that might be common for lots of women because it's like yeah. that feeling of just being treated a bit like a chair for a moment. <laughs> yeah, you'd be the best, <laughs> the best friend, sort of encouraging the beautiful one to carry on, you know. It, it, that's, yeah. that's the parts that are available to me, which are really fun to play, to be honest. But I don't think I necessarily want to play that part, but I'd like to see it. <laughs> I don't see often couples like we're talking about straight couples men and women in movies in which the woman is taller than mm. the man but I see that lots in my life yeah and it's one of the things which is frustrating you kind of go can't you see this I, actually one I can think of is uh, I saw a film called uh, Greenberg 
which is Ben Stiller, and Greta Gerwig, who is the the female protagonist, is taller than Stiller by about four inches. So that might cheer you up. Yeah, <laughs> it's not the actually, happiest of relationships, <laughs> but it's but it's a it's a very true depiction of a romance. So it's worth watching. I'd say for that reason. When um, I was younger, I I do remember having sort of Gina Davis, Julia Roberts. Um, yeah. Oh, what's her name? Married to Tom Cruise at the time. Uh, Nicole Kidman. Those were my kind of like tall women can you know. But then you look at their stats, and they're they're maybe like five eleven, you know. <laughs> and then so there's like Gwendolyn Christie now. But then there comes a point when they sort of you know you you go up for parts, and then they get it. You know, like I went up for a part in Star Wars, and then Gwendolyn Christie got it. Of course, she's famous. I'm not. You know, yeah. but um, there's only I, room in the world for one one tall woman. actor as tall <laughs> do, as you. Do you have? Um, sort of small role models Mm, yeah 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 when I was growing up it was classic Kylie Minogue um but even she wasn't quite small enough um I think she's like five foot one but then sometimes her height would change uh in terms of the reporting of her height but anyway um but yeah I definitely do and nowadays as well um yeah I can't think of anyone off the top of my head but I am sort of very aware of if I see a famous person I'm like oh brilliant that's useful <laughs> yeah yes no it is helpful and it's a funny thing that people were telling you Lucy that you couldn't be on camera mm. because camera is one of the things which can hugely cheat all of those things mm. I mean notoriously the experience of meeting movie stars you kind of go oh not as big as I thought they'd be because we're used to seeing them exploded onto massive yeah. movie screens and shot from very specific angles you know the camera puts your perspective at a particular place, and that can affect how you engage with people. I, I'm just wondering as well. You know, we're doing this on a, a remote. Um, you know, it is all about our bodies, but we're of course we're having a disembodied conversation. <laughs> um, but um, so when you're, um, I suppose I'm interested in when you are encountering people for the first time. So away from your world as performers, do you think there are experiences that you have because of the size you are that are particular? So um, what what do you think, Sue? Do you think there are assumptions you have to engage with, or have to counter, or come up with strategies to make sure people don't put you in mm. cliched boxes? I mean, I feel it less now, Mm. now that I look a bit older as well. But um, when I was younger, I guess I was very aware that I looked incredibly young. Like when Mm. I was in my 20s, I looked like I was 15, you know, or even younger at times. So I suppose that was the main thing I was having to encounter in terms of someone's perception was like, perhaps it was, you know, I'm mature enough to handle whatever the situation I was engaging with was, for example, or Mm. I don't know, nowadays, I suppose I don't really encounter it as much, but perhaps it would be in a situation where, for example, if I was doing like a corporate workshop with a load of alpha male businessmen, Mm. (laughs) I mean, that's very specific. Um, And normally it wouldn't, nothing would be as sort of binary as that. But if, but perhaps I would have a slight awareness of like, yeah, I just want to quickly make sure that they take me seriously. Um, And for them not to think that I'm, uh, not to underestimate me. I think that's the thing is that if you are very, very small and you, his, you know, used to look young, then yeah. um, uh, perhaps there's a feeling of like not wanting to be underestimated because actually you're like, do you know what? I can handle anything you throw at me. So, so or maybe it's funny trying to think back to those, but but what, what do you do? What's your strategy? How do you do that? How do you make it clear they shouldn't underestimate you? I think um, I'm... Conscious of 
having confident, open body language, if I was going to really analyze it and break it down. I mean, I would hope to do that anyway. And I think I would probably do that regardless of my size, if I was leading a workshop or leading something. But perhaps it's just an extra motivating factor to make sure that I do come across as as calm and confident yes. uh, and, and to reflect that in my body language. I think that would be something that I would, you know, employ consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, I mean, so so physically stiller and slightly more kind of front foot and towards them. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I suppose if it was a a class, you know, like if it was a class of um, sort of unruly students or something, I guess there's sort of similar overlap with that. And I'd employ a similar thing, but maybe, I don't know, I feel like also it's just about proving yourself very quickly. Mm, yeah. Proving your knowledge and proving your skill, maybe by what you say, or maybe by in the context of a comedy workshop, making people laugh. Um yeah. yeah, it's a kind of professional context. You want to kind of preempt, look like kind of sort of dominate the territory quickly. Okay, set your terms rather than uh, allow and myths to to grow up. That, uh, that yeah, are maybe. Yeah, although I don't really think of it as like dominating because my style is quite as a teacher and stuff is quite gentle. Um, yeah. And also, I don't. I've never wanted to be someone that overcompensated and was like you know sort of like shouty and elbowy that's not my personality anyway but um I never wanted the way I looked to force me to have to do that so I haven't but maybe it's just about keeping my cool that's interesting thanks for picking me up when I'm talking about dominating I suppose I'm not talking about you doing something as you say overcompensating but the fact that you're going first going quick like do this early Mm. strikes me as very active rather Mm. than wait and see and let it happen it's like yeah learn from the last time I suppose that's what Mm. whereas I kind of have the opposite (laughs) um you know I was head girl at school and I've spent a lot of time trying to blend and even when I try and hide it's like ah you must be the person in charge uh you know especially (laughs) now I've got gray hair even more so they're like must be must be her she she looks like she knows what she's doing and often as a result I think I find myself you know volunteering for things like in the pandemic I was helping at the um, vaccine Mm. center and I was really great at directing traffic it was like a dream (laughs) job for me (laughs) found my calling (laughs) but I think you know people can see me you know and I'm direct and you know but I think um yeah, I definitely try and blend, which is quite hard when you're six foot two and a size 18. But, well, okay, so what do you do? Do you know what you do in those circumstances? Do you literally retreat, physically go to, yeah, physically, to the back? Or, okay. Yeah, physically. Well, often um, in sort of corporate environments, you know, they, they sometimes are male-dominated, so people tend to be taller anyway, yeah. so that doesn't happen uh probably but yeah if I wasn't in charge of that session I would just physically kind of stoop a bit and stand at the back and try and be quiet which I find very hard (laughs) fascinating it's interesting I mean I was thinking about what what assumptions people make about me and I think I'm always happy to run conversations so if I want to not do that I have to work really hard at kind of pushing people's eye contact around to everybody else in order to kind of to almost as you say directing traffic's a good way of talking about it what's the 
Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic in a group, isn't it? Who do people, you know, with their eyes report back to? And if you're always that person, you're like, I'm, I'm not even listening. Like, <laughs> look at someone else. Yeah, physically look, look at the table until they talk to each other. Yeah. Yeah, no, fascinating. Is there anything that you'd like to be different about talking to people in, about this question? Anything, if you could change it, what would it be? I'd say, um, you know, when you're meeting someone who you might deem to be different or notice something different about them, whether, you know, I can't speak for all types of outside of the norm, but um, I guess like it would be great if it wasn't the first thing you said, you know, like (laughs) if if you can find an in and you genuinely (laughs) would like to relate and learn, you know, maybe that's for conversation number three or four, but not like the minute you see someone, aren't you tall where do you buy your clothes? Did you know they used to give giants extra money for trouser length uh, in the old days? <laughs> Stuff like this. You're like, yeah, I did because literally everyone <laughs> told me. Everyone's told me. You know, and yeah. it is a cliche. But I think, the you know, I'm much more comfortable with my size now. Now I've sort of passed the 40 mark and now I've let the ha- grey hair go. I think, um, uh, you know, you just can't rise to it anymore. It's, I, I wouldn't change myself, I, I, you know, although no. there were times when I was growing up, I wished, I wished I was normal. I wished I could, you know, be a ballet dancer and be lifted and stuff, but it's just not to be. And as a result, it's made me who I am. And um, I'm happy with that. <laughs> no, that's fascinating. We, there's, sometimes there's, there was a time when this person wanted to change things that now it wouldn't, and it's the same person, but yeah. it's uh, but a different feelings about itself. How about you, Sue? Is there anything that you think yeah, you'd love to be different? Exactly the same, actually. <laughs> just, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, it do- it doesn't happen very often anymore. Um, but yeah, just for for that not for it not to be a statement of fact. That was the thing that used to annoy me when it was literally someone, a stranger, or um, a, you know, a friend of a friend would literally be like, "You're really small." Like, because there's nothing you can say to that apart from, yes, it's like going up to someone and saying, you've got blue eyes. Like, it's just such a weird opener. So I suppose, yeah, that would be my um, tiny, tiny little uh, grumble. Um, And then, yeah, in terms of, and I feel the same as Lucy, like, I wouldn't change it at all for the the world. I'm so glad to have had just a very slightly quirky, different uh, filter um, to, you know, to have that and... But yeah, in terms of like what what I would like to say, I guess it's just just like to to young to teenagers and kids who might feel a tiny bit different or a lot different depending on what, you know, for whatever reason, you know, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. And it as Lucy said, it really can be your superpower, the thing the thing that makes you different, whether that's an external thing or an internal thing, can be the thing that gives you a really, really specific, different outlook on the world. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I, honestly, I'm thrilled. I, I didn't have on my list get guests on to inspire people, but I think you have done. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, so um, I, I'd like to, Sue, is there any, uh, where can we find out more about you and your work? Um, I have a website called susanharrisoncharacters.com and um, that has links to any live shows that I'm doing. Also, it has info on the writing that I do with Lucy and um, also, when I teach improv workshops, that information's on there as well. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at Sue Harrison123. Thank you, Sue. And Lucy? Um, well, you can find us both uh, in Showstopper, uh, showstopperthemusical.com and 
I am just at Lucy Trod on Twitter and at L Trod on Insta. Um, I'm currently doing a VR project called Galaxical Implosions with Flipside VR Company, uh, co-production with Canada. Um, but yeah, don't look at my website. It's really out of date. <laughs> We're going to put links to both these websites in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Alex. Um, uh, I'm uh, Alex. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got any kind of insights or, or questions to ask about any of the content on these podcasts, please get in touch with us at info at the hyphen spontaneity hyphen shop.com or give us a call if you're interested in our training work, which we run for businesses in person on Zoom. Um, you could call us on 020 4080 Thanks. Thank you so much once more to our guests. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to our producer, Tom Selinski, this week. Um, and goodbye. You have been listening to You Can Talk to Anyone with me, Alex McLaren, and my guests, Susan Harrison and Lucy Trott. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Selinski. You Can Talk to Anyone is brought to you by The House of the Guilty Feminist and is distributed exclusively by Acast. Thank you.